0: Chapter 9 The Garbage Lance I paid a terrible price to hear the legend of Arcturus. I was alone in the barracks that night. Corrupt was comatose in the infirmary. The other inmates were stewing in the waste reclamation tanks. Since the day the others arrived, I'd dreamed of regaining my solitude. Now that it had been forced on me, I hated it. You're the one. I woke up rigid from a dream of Mulang Chinsi looing over my bunk, wearing only the top half of her uniform. She flashed a fang grin and commanded me to satisfy her. For days afterward, I struggled to keep that image from rising up at the worst possible moments. Surro's story had captured my imagination. I couldn't stop daydreaming about steel wave carving its way through the stars. If only I could have flown with them. I fantasized my scrubber brush was a TGZK burst, scouring collaborator's scum off your surrus instead of mildew off the shower drain. Just as I finished cleaning the entire barracks myself, the others arrived. They were all filthy and furious. The smell lingered for days. No one would look at me. They hated me now. I wasn't the one who made them spend all night in the sewage tank. It didn't matter. Everything was part of Suros' master plan. In a way, I found that reassuring. He wouldn't put in all this effort if he didn't think we could win somehow. I tried to believe again. Before, I had been careful not to do too well at flight training. The nail that stands out gets hammered down. Once I stopped caring, I smoked them all. I was completing runs twice as fast as Pirate. The others weren't even close. It left me with plenty of time to think. I would drift in space, grinding my toes against the footwell as I watched murderous and glutton flounder through the buoy rings. I like to imagine I was at the helm of despicable, warming up my cannons to put these mutinous dogs out of their misery. I'm sure they felt the same way about me. The harder I worked, the worse they looked. If we had another purge, I might be the death of them. Conversations stopped when I drew near. The others were planning something. Their eyes were always on me. Finally, the tension got to me. I spent a whole night awake, clutching the lock knocker under my thin blanket. But none of them had the stones to strangle me. Another disappointment. Instead, they started ignoring our labor rotations, sticking me with the worst jobs. I kept my mouth shut and my head down. Any display of weakness would make it worse. The crooked rotation was bound to bite them in the ass. It didn't take long, just a few days. During morning assignment, murderous marched up to me with the bayonetta de basura, shouldered like a rifle. This was a two-meter hook-steel pole we used to clean the compactor gears of the refuse chutes. I suppressed the urge to groan. RC duty was a filthy, dangerous job. The automatic mechanism that used to purge the refuge chutes had been deemed a security risk and disabled. So now, any time a chute went down, a pair of us had to get in there with the bayonetta. While the gears ran, one slip meant getting chewed up and spat into space. You're on shoots today, Soros pet, Murderous said. With who? I asked. It was a two man job. You're on shoots today, Murderous repeated, with a grin. I took the pole from her, wondering how long that smile would last after I impaled her. I looked at the other inmates, wondering if any would speak for me. This was beyond unfair, it was stupid. It had to be her idea. Pirate's lower lip quivered, but he remained mute. So be it. I shouldered the garbage lance and headed for the chutes. When I got the hatch open, I stared into the crusty teeth of the gear maw and despaired. Even with two people, this was the absolute worst duty. I wasn't strong enough. I could barely get the chute open on my own. I felt the urge to slump against the wall and sob but if a drill caught me, they would really give me something to cry about. I took a series of deep breaths to try and calm down and regretted it immediately. The chute was ripe. If there was one consolation, it was knowing Murderous had fucked herself. I could twiddle my thumbs all day and roll on her when the drills came to ask why the chutes weren't working. There was a 100% certainty I'd take a beating and a 25% chance the drill would feed me into the chute immediately afterward. But whatever happened, Murderous would share my fate. It was a suboptimal play. I could snitch directly to Suros, but then I really would be Suros' pet. I could never win the other inmates back if I went that route. I would become a permanent pariah. Maybe it was wishful thinking, but I suspected most of the other inmates didn't actually hate me. They hated themselves for fucking up, and I was a convenient proxy. If I snitched, that would change. As I considered it, I realized Suros wouldn't even help me. Weakness disgusted him. He'd probably end me himself. I didn't want to go out that way. There was nothing left to do but to figure out a way to clean the chute on my own. I tried to visualize how all the gears and armatures inside worked, how they would react when I cleared the jam. When I'd done this with a partner, one hooked the jam, the other helped yank them back. I needed to figure out how I could do that alone without getting sucked into the gears. It took a whole morning of fiddling, propping the hatch up with a mop and wedging the ceiling ring with the lock knocker. Then I had to crawl halfway into the chute, tethering myself with an extension cord shibaried into a makeshift harness. When I tried breaking up the jam, the gears freed up suddenly and almost ripped the garbage lance out of my hands. It took all my strength to hold on, and I nearly dislocated my shoulders. When I climbed out of the chute, I had to hug my knees and weep for real. If I'd lost my grip and let the bayonetta get ripped into space, I might as well have hopped in after it. Losing a tool meant getting sculled. One by one, I worked the other compactor heads free. I took my time with the other chutes, slowly chipping at the jams until every muscle fiber in my body screamed. It was better to be sore than spat into space. At the end of the day, I dragged myself to the showers scuffed to hell and covered in a second skin of grease and gunk. The squadron was already there, sporting a fresh crop of bruises. There was a purple-green starburst hematoma on Murderous's right tit that caught my eye. That had to be Suros' handiwork. I had to grin. I knew this would happen. What the fuck are you smiling about? Murderous hissed. Hop on and find out, I said, grabbing my crotch. For a second, it looked like she might try and tear my eyes out. The pirate guffawed so loud it startled us both. His laugh was contagious. Soon the whole flight was laughing at Murderous. The moment passed. I was too filthy to fight anyway. Corrupt returned from medical that night, a little glassy-eyed but as annoying as ever. The next morning, Murderous's reign was over. Corrupt put us back on the normal rotation and no one argued. They needed me. After flight training, the squadron was ordered to clean the entire ship bay. While the others swept and mopped, Pirate and I climbed into the gantry to clean up a winch battery that had exploded. We were supposed to swap it for a spare, but there were none left in the supply room. The drill who'd let us in only shrugged when I asked where we could find another. Most of the shelves were bare. Thirty meters in the air, Pirate and I wore rags over our mouths. We cleaned the corrosive residue with plastic scrapers. What happened to you yesterday? I asked, my voice low. We would pull our heads back Suck in a deep breath, and then scrape for a bit before coming up for air. I got the story out of Pirate, one huff and puff at a time. We were on our way here to sweep the bay. Rehnquist and Nordahl ambushed us in the corridor and press-ganged us into cleaning the projector room. Rehnquist had a black eye. Even the drills aren't safe from Suros now. I knew at once what had happened. I bet you missed the rust on the ceiling bolts, I guessed. Pirate's eyebrows shot up in surprise. Shh. That was Glutton's fuck-up. What a beating. I wish you'd been there. To catch the error, I mean. Not to share the beat. Pirate took a deep breath and went back in, chipping at a clump of gel that had partially crystallized. Sparks flew off of it. I could smell the ozone through my mask. Pirate pulled away, and I took a deep breath to take my turn. It was that obese, stupid idea to put you on shoots. I argued against it, but no one would listen. They all think I'm a fool, Pirate sighed. I nodded as I worked the scraper. I bet she's next, I huffed. Now that her star had fallen, I was sure a would do something crazy and get herself locked. Pirate paused, then shook his head. I think it's Glutton. You want to bet a meal on that, I ventured. Glutton's times were trash but murderous was more volatile than the gunk we scraped. Easy money, Pirate said. Under his mask was a grin. Chapter 10, The Interrogation The drills marched me into a tiny room and thrust me into a metal chair bolted to the floor. The debriefing room sat on top of one of the main reactor conduits. The air was uncomfortably warm and probably irradiated. Nordahl wrenched my arms behind my back and handcuffed me to the chair. This was it. I pretended to be exhausted, but inside I was a pulsar. I vacillated between neurotic dread and lurid excitement. I was about to be executed, but they must have decided to torture me first. The drills cut the lights and left me alone in absolute darkness for what felt like hours. I became intimately familiar with the heartbeat of the reactor underfoot. Four cycles ran each minute, each lower than the last. The fourth note was too deep to hear, but I could feel it in the soles of my feet. How would they do it? Would they beat me to a pulp? Starve me for days? Brand me with a soldering iron? The scenarios in my head grew more elaborate by the minute. I was so aroused. I expected to hear the button of my fly pop off and zing across the cell. What can I say? That's how I'm wired. I didn't choose to be this way. The door flung wide, and I was blinded by the light. It terrified me. I thrashed against the shackles until I heard boots in the corridor. The gate was as regular as a watch. I recognized it instantly. I froze up. It felt like the air had been sucked out of my lungs. Suros. What is your name? Sergeant Suros demanded. I squinted into the corridor. Everything was a glaring blur. Traitor, reporting as ordered, sir. Where were you last night at 0200 hours? Asleep in my bunk, sir. His voice grew closer, but my eyes refused to clear. I couldn't rub them. I was shackled to the chair. Did you hear anything in the night? Anyone moving around in the barracks or in the hallway? No, sir. Why is that? Sir, I asked, stupidly. Suros hit me in my right temple with a closed fist. The blow rang in my skull like a slamming door. Glorious. Suddenly, I could see again. My veins were hot with adulation. My lungs full of air. I was alive. In that moment, I had the audacity to stare right into Suros' eyes without servility or guile. I wanted him to hit me again. Harder, I wished. Instead, his clenched jaw melted into a grimace of disgust. A sigh hissed out of his flared nostrils. Suros had forgotten I was like that. I wondered how he'd ever gotten to be a drill with such an expressive face. Maybe it was only because I'd known him so long. Maybe I was only imagining it. He didn't hit me again and pretended not to notice my erection. I asked why you didn't hear anything, inmate. Sir, I was asleep, sir, I repeated. The other inmates were more forthcoming with me. They all heard something. Soros dropped his voice, leading me down a path. He wanted me to wonder if one of them had said something about me. That was why they left me in the dark for so long. I was supposed to be wondering if anybody had talked instead of edging. Sir, I didn't hear shit, sir. I was trying to goad him by cursing. Suros would have laid out any other inmate, but he ignored the bait. You heard nothing unusual? Nothing, sir. I sleep like the dead, sir. Take some time and think about it. I'm sure you'll remember something. Aye, aye, sir. I spent the next 24 hours shackled to that chair, stewing in a pool of urine. Every few hours, a pair of drills would barge in, screaming at me in a flare of blinding light. Rehnquist and Nordahl, the dumbest of the drills. Both men had the same type of face, lumpy and potato-like. Rehnquist's black eye had faded, but I could still tell. I actually felt a little degraded dealing with them, but I liked that too. I didn't even rate a first-class torturer like Suros. I'd been left to the dregs. Rehnquist said the other inmates had all informed on me. He warned I would be executed if I didn't spill everything. He made some threatening gestures, but never followed through. Suros must have warned them not to beat me. Nordahl was the carrot. He promised me a drink of water if I would only recite what had happened that night, telling him every detail. I must have repeated myself 20 times. The showers had run out of hot water after flight training. Chow was a bland gruel of two green ersatz peas and stringy clots of fab protein. Before lights out, Pirate told us for the hundredth time how he'd outwitted a Hezo ambush at Altair. For the hundredth time, the rest of the squadron scoffed at him and told him it was bullshit. I crawled into my bunk, laid my head on the thin and unsatisfactory pillow, and that was it. Not good enough, Nordahl said. He grinned those wide idiot lips and quaffed the whole glass. I wanted that water so badly, but I knew. Even if I told him everything, he would just throw it in my face. I'd only get a few drops licked off the tip of my nose. As the torture wore on, those few drops seemed more and more worth it. But that was just a small part of me. The larger part was disconnected. Exulting in the scene, as if I was standing right next to the drills, torturing myself. I was beginning to hallucinate, and I welcomed it. I'd been having terrible cramps for hours. My eyes felt abraded. Let's go over it again, Rehnquist suggested. Sure thing, sir, I croaked. My voice sounded like I'd been snorting sand. He's too weak. Better let him stew there, Nordahl butted in. Do you want that inmate? How about another 24 hours in the dark? Aye, aye, sir. They turned to leave me there, but I could sense they weren't finished. I counted the steps towards the door. One, two, three. On the third, Nordahl swiveled on his heel. His brow was furrowed for what passed for a thought. A inmate. Yes, sir. How come you never asked us what we're grilling you for? Sir you'd tell me if I needed to know, sir. You know exactly what happened. Sir, I was asleep, sir. Idiot, Nordahl hissed. The door slammed and there was darkness. For a while, I wondered if they had left Rehnquist behind to fuck with me in the dark. I strained my ears against the darkness, though I couldn't hear anything but the thrum of the reactor. I think I just hadn't noticed him slip out. For hours, every inch of my skin crawled, anticipating his touch. I had lost all sense of time. I wondered if the others were doing the same, trying to guess at which point each had broken. I was certain I could hold out the longest. As the hours bled out in total darkness, my thoughts flew far afield. I hallucinated that I was Tong Lang Chintsey, bloody-eyed on the bridge of Bulldog, preparing for my final tilt at Titan Forge. Then I became convinced I was murderous. I raved at the empty interrogation room, begging the drills not to kill my unborn child. After that, I started to think I'd already been executed, and I'd been in Dio all along. At last, the clarion of judgment sounded. An angel burst before me in a wreath of transcendent flame. Lydia, I whispered. She'd come back for me at last. It was just Suros, backlit by the corridor. The horns of revelation were only Reveille. The interrogation had gone on for 48 hours straight. Suros turned on the room lights. I tried to scream, but I could only produce a rasping croak. Suros was clean-shaven. His uniform was perfect. Boots shined and buttons gleamed. But there was a shadow behind his eyes. He wasn't happy. Enough games. Last chance before I lock the door and give you another 24 without water. I don't care if you die. Do you understand? It took all my strength to nod. I wouldn't make it another 24 hours. Good. Now tell me. Where is it? Soros demanded. I strained. The word was like a hot stone in my throat. I hadn't had a drink in so long. I would have lapped the piss off my chair like a dog if there was a way to reach it. Suros brought his ear to my mouth like he wanted to hear my last words. At this point, they might be. Where's what? I managed. I got my wish. Suros hit me so hard, I didn't wake up for three days.